Yes, Matteo, Matteo Frana. Welcome to the podcast, Matteo Frana. You are the CEO and founder, co-founder of React Bricks. Right. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here. React Bricks is one of these companies I'm super interested in using for such a long time. And I've actually used it now. And Everfund's website is built in React Bricks. So I like to say that just up front. Transparency, I think, is key. When I build with React Bricks, I have looked around CMSs for so many, many months and years, from right back to Gatsby 2 to now. To me, nothing is quite as easy as React Bricks. But I think it's easier for you to explain what it is, considering it's your product. So, what is React Bricks? Rubrics is a new kind of CMS with visual editing based on React components. You can think of it like Wix for corporate. In a way, for content creators, it's easy as Wix, but it has your own design system that developers create using React components. And uh, it's something that uh, I created because as you, I was researching something to replace uh, WordPress as a headless CMS together with Gatsby that I was using at the end of 2019. And I was searching for something else to replace it. And uh, after a lot of research, I found that there was a gap. And so I created React Bricks for this reason. I can tell you what uh, what I, I looked for and, uh, and so why I created React Bricks. <laughs> the big reason that I'm so interested in React Bricks is that as a developer, I can look at a website and think, oh, here's all the components, the Lego bricks that bring it together front to back, you know, from nav bar to hero sections and call to actions. So then you spend your time, you go, okay, let's use something like, uh, you know, a headless CMS. Any of them will do. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this system in the headless CMS. Okay, define the bricks that you want. And then the biggest thing that we found and that I found personally is that I was like, oh, I could build this whole website using gray forms and understand exactly how it's going to look. But then as soon as I give it to my team members that are not technical savvy, they go, gray forms, what is all of this? How do I know what gray form does what block? This is where I think your segment of CMSs are actually really interesting because instead of giving a gray form, you're actually showing the component And then one better, allowing users to just edit the actual text or image inside the component. Yes, that's true. We saw that uh, when we worked with WordPress uh, times ago, we used a blank canvas. And so the user was free to create, but that uh, had uh, other problems because uh, there was too much uh, freedom. They could break the responsive design. And then, so even with uh, with WordPress, uh, we were using uh, advanced custom fields so that we could limit what the user could do. And uh, so uh, even WordPress became something like a set of gray forms to be sure that uh, the user could do just what we wanted them to do and not have uh, the red text over green background. And so, well, uh, in a way, we were using this set uh, at the end of 2019. In some way, WordPress is great, but uh, 
I didn't want to host a WordPress website anymore, even if it's just the backend, the, the API. So in a way with a limited attack surface. And so uh, when I was looking for something else, well, first thing is headless CMSs, of course, because everyone loves headless CMSs. Let's say developers love <laughs> headless CMSs and for good reasons. You have the couple of APIs. They are APIs as a service, so no hassles to set up your server. You can choose the front-end framework that you want. But well, you know why I think that content creators don't like headless CMSs for the reason that you said. It's like WordPress with advanced custom feeds. It's just great forms. So even for developers, it's not great because you have to train your users. You have to say, well, what you see here in these uh, gray fields uh, ends up here in this page and in this part of the page. Because with headless CMSs, you are more uh, working on a database. You have the concept of table of entities, if you want, but you lose the concept of page. And so the users think in terms of page and the content creators. So uh, you have to say, if you change this entity right here and this entity right here, then you will have these results on your About Us page. Some uh, some year before uh, 2019, I had already registered the uh, NodePress domain name <laughs> because I wanted to create a CMS based on uh, Node.js, something like what is now Keystone.js. I had something like that in mind, taking the best part uh, from Drupal that was not there in, in WordPress. And then, well, I, so I started thinking, what is great for content creators? First thing that comes to my mind is uh, Wix. Wix has a great interface for content creators, but really, well, uh, the UX for sure is, is great, but uh, it's only okay as long as you are okay with their templates and uh, a little ability to change uh, the, the templates. So I think that it's good for a small project, maybe if you have a, a small restaurant, but of, of course not for a corporate who want to create their exact design system. And then there are other visual tools like Webflow and well, they are uh, much more powerful, of course, but I think that they end up to be too much powerful because in a way the, the, the content creator, it's not uh, um, in charge of uh, uh, deciding upon uh, margins and paddings and things like that. And they don't have to know the CSS box model. So <laughs> uh, what uh, I wanted to, to create is uh, uh, something that allowed content creators to have all the freedom that they want, but no more than they need. Because uh, so I want to, to have uh, great constraints so that uh, uh, users can edit the content visually, uh, easily on their design system, but uh, being uh, sure that they cannot break the design system. So that's what uh, I wanted to create uh, uh, when I started thinking of React Bricks. Of course, from a developer point of view, I love React. And uh, then maybe I will talk about how I came to React. But uh, I love React, so for me, the choice was quite uh, easy. If we think that uh, we want visually editable content blocks uh, with a schema that sets constraints, for me, that mapped perfectly to the concept of uh, a React component with props. And so I want a visually editable content block. I want a schema. I want constraints. So I have the JSX of a React component together. It's props and the schema that defines 
how these props can be edited. So some props are edited directly. You have a text, you can edit. You have an image, you can edit. This is what uh, is inside of your JSX using the React Bricks uh, components. And then there are the background color, the font size. And so the, the experience is exactly what you have in a tool like Word or Pages. So from a developer point of view, you don't have to train your users because you just give uh, React Bricks to them and it's like they are in front of pages. They write, uh, they change the props, uh, and they're good to go. No need to explain uh, the gray fields. I have never used React Brick, so I'm going to have kind of the, the noob level questions here. And so it sounds like from what you're describing is that it is both a no-code and a low-code tool in the sense that you can edit the page just through a UI, but that if you want to, there is React code there, and you can go into that React code and tweak that itself. So you're trying to kind of split the difference between what a developer would use versus what a content producer would use, and you want to be something that both could use and be comfortable with. Is that kind of the idea? Yes, exactly, exactly. In fact, uh, a tool like uh, Webflow uh, requires a developer that is also, in a way, the designer in that moment and is also uh, the content creator in that moment. But in a corporate situation or also in a startup situation, you have developers and you have content creators. They want different things. The content creator wants the no-code UI, while the developer wants the low-code, or let's say, it's code because you create your content, your React components in code and you have the full power of React. It's low code in the sense that uh, the visual editing part, which is quite difficult to recreate, uh, you don't have to create that part because it's part of the React Bricks library. So it's low code for developers in a way and no code for content creators. My weird way of explaining to someone like Anthony is like, it's like storybook where you view all your components. But instead of just viewing them and testing them, you just say, put that component there and click save. And then it's the website built. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. In fact, the concept of the, the sidebar, the sidebar controls is similar to the concept of knobs in storybook. There was a, a moment in which I was also thinking, uh, what if we created also the, the storybook for all the, the bricks so that you can see them in storybook? But really, there is already the playground of React Bricks, which does exactly the same thing that you can do in storybook, but you can uh, see it the component live and exactly as you use it in the editor. So the F4W don't know uh, React Bricks, the playground is where you see all of your bricks, so all of your visually editable content blocks, which constitutes your design system, and you can play with them uh, so you have an idea of what are the components that you can use in the editor. What's actually really good is that, as you were saying, when you're in that playground, you're editing the real brick, the code you're going to use. And what's really good is you you can set defaults. So you can say, I know 95% of the time this is going to be laid out this specific way. So I'm just going to code that in as the default option. And then when the user drags that in, it's there and it's defaulted to what you put. And there's a lot of customization. And what I found is that it is so flexible that you just need to know how to do things right. Like a button can easily open a website or it could talk to your intercom or your crisp chat. And there is no limits. It's just how you work around these blocks and understanding the concept, I think will go a really long way. And I think it's really important to talk about the big elephant in the room, I think. It's called React Bricks, but what frameworks does it support? Well, uh, React Bricks uh, supports... Uh the main React frameworks. 
So at the moment it supports uh, Next.js, Gatsby, and lately also Remix. So uh, at the moment it is limited to React. It is <laughs> React Bricks. The idea is uh, to maybe expand it to all the component-based libraries. So we, I think that we could expand it to also uh, Vue or also Svelte. It's something that we can do. But at the moment we support just React and so Next.js, Gatsby, and Remix. There is obviously other visual editors out there, but some of them have made the choice to only support one of them, like Next.js. Why have you supported all three? And in your eyes, why do you let the user pick which one they, they want to use? Because to me, I really don't know the difference. And I just picked Next.js over Gatsby, for example. In a way, supporting all three was not uh, so much of a differential work. I see that there are frameworks like Tina, for example, that uh, support just Next.js. Maybe they have some technical reason to do so, but uh, in our case, uh, really, it's not so complex to support all three. And so I think that uh, giving the freedom to the user to choose the framework they want is uh, the best way. And uh, in a way, uh, Rebricks is also a, an easy way to switch framework later because um, if you have a, a React Bricks project with Next.js and you decide that you want to migrate to Gatsby, it's just a matter of starting up the CLI, choosing a Gatsby project, and then putting there your credential. But if you use the CLI, the credentials are already there. And so it's just a matter of copying the Bricks folder from one project to the other. And you're up and running in two minutes with Gatsby because you have all of your bricks. You don't depend on the image of Next, which is different from the image of Gatsby. You have just the image from React Bricks, so you can migrate in one moment. You want to try a Remix, okay, start the project with the CLI, copy the bricks folder, and you're good to go. I was about to say, that may be my, my fastest way to try Remix fully fledged, as in just move my Next.js website over it really easily. And it's really, really exciting. Things like Remix is such a brand new, well, not new, they've been doing it for some time, but concept and seeing that you are openly supporting it is so positive because what I find is that, not that it's, I think it's controversial, is that people don't know the best framework of choice for a task until it's too late. As in, so many times we jumped on the point straight away earlier on in JavaScript when React was Gatsby 2. Everything was just Gatsby 2. And it was great until you started trying to build in dashboards in it and all these other things. And you're like, this is terrible. Why are we doing this to ourselves? Then everybody's jumped from Gatsby to Next.js. And now everyone's on about Next.js being the best thing in the world. Even though Everfund is built in Next.js, I do think it's still maybe a little bit overkill. And I would be really excited to see maybe like React Bricks and something like Astro that tries to be as lightweight as possible because a CMS really, well, not the CMS, the code that needs to be shipped to your client, does it really need to be this really reactive code? It's a great question that I'm wondering if you've explored it. It's very interesting. I think that the concept of uh, Astro, Astro to have this uh, island of uh, interactive and non not interactive code is uh, interesting. At, uh, in some way, we are 
we will get there because uh, I think it's a superior way of uh, having front-end code to try to, to make non-interactive what is non-interactive because I think that we want to support Astro, but also when React server components will be no more in beta, <laughs> they will be a great way to have much less uh, JavaScript code running on the client. It makes no sense to have React uh, rehydrate uh, a component which just renders a static title with an image and a static text. So what would that mean exactly to bring in something like React server components? Would that be something that would be under the hood in React Bricks or is that something that would actually be a part of the sites that you would be like generating for people? Much of this depends on how a React server component would be implemented. At the moment, we see an implementation, an experimental implementation in Next.js, where your component must have a name, which is component.client.js or .tsx or component.server.tsx. We should need to know if the React Bricks is a purely server component so that it will become a server component of it has some client code like a carousel or something like that and so that it should be mapped to a client component it's something to be to be seen because at the moment it's like if you want to use a server component you have to use a framework like next.js that implements them for you but i think that in the end it will not be in this way so at the moment we, we have not explored this thing because i want it to be stable to look at it. Have you looked at Hydrogen at all? It's Shopify's framework. They're using React server components pretty heavily. Yes, I, I know that I saw that framework, but uh, but uh, really quickly. But of course, server component will be a game changer. I think that 90% of the bricks that are created now can be purely server components. And so when you don't have the carousel things or, or something like that, you really don't need any client rate rotation, it can become quite heavy and it worsens all the, the metrics that now users are starting to look at <laughs> page speed insights and they tell you, well, <laughs> my time to interactive is uh, half a second. Why? <laughs> okay, with several components, that will be much easier. I think what's really cool as well is that we have been talking about all this visualizing of editing of data, but there's still places for structured data like blog posts or podcast listings. How can structured data be implemented in React Bricks? Really, there are, I would say, three ways. One, you can create your page type. Let's say that you have a blog. We have many customers that right now are already creating their blogs with React Bricks with no support for really structured data. You just have a page type, which is blogs, and uh, uh, using the React Bricks fetch pages function, you can fetch all the page of a certain type. So you can fetch all the pages of type blog. And so you can uh, iterate over them to create the list view of your blog, because you can, for each page, you can get the feature image, you can get the author, the publish date. So you can render outside of React Bricks, you can render your list page, just fetching the pages of type blog. You can render them. And when you, when the user clicks, uh, you have the details view, which is uh, the page created with React Bricks. So this is a way when you 
have simple uh, data, so you have uh, a list of uh, blog, uh, of blog posts, uh, a list of uh, podcasts. Then there is another way, which is uh, using really an external CMS. You can use uh, a headless CMS like Contentful, Dato CMS, etc. And there is a, a feature of Rehabricks, which is uh, external content. So on a page type, you can define a get external data function, which is just an async function that uh, must that return a promise that must resolve to an object. And uh, that object, uh, you will find that object uh, on, uh, on the page. And uh, then on your bricks, uh, you, in the schema, you can define a map external data to props function, which is similar to the Redux function to map uh, the props. So uh, map state to props. So you can um, decide that you map the external data from the external source to a prop that you can use inside of your brick. And you can um, decide that the external data is uh, read-only if you map it to external data. Or you can say that the title, for example, is the bricks title or the external data title. It's a bit complex without seeing the code, but uh, the map external data to props uh, is a function that takes as arguments the external data and the bricks data. And so you can mix them as you want and return the props. So you can also choose to have a, a title for an e-commerce product that comes from the external data, let's say Shopify, BigCommerce or whatever. But uh, then you can override it uh, writing over on a text uh, of React Bricks, and you can save it. As soon as you delete the title, it comes back to what was in the external data. So you can choose to have an e-commerce powered by an external data and React Bricks, and let some of the properties overridable visually with React Bricks. With an e-commerce, you can choose to let the marketing change the name because maybe it's not uh, the, the name that you have in database is not so SEO uh, friendly, and then they can create all uh, the landing page uh, using the React Bricks uh, blocks. The third thing is that we want to uh, support better uh, directly structured data. So this is a feature that uh, we have in mind, uh, the entities features. So we'll uh, integrate uh, something from uh, like a headless CMS inside of React Bricks. This is part of our long-term project, uh, but we have in mind to uh, let the user create entities that are reusable across pages. To have an idea, what's more respect to what you have uh, on a headless, uh, with React Bricks, you could have an entity which has its gray form, but uh, has its views. So you can have an entity which is an artwork, which has a list view, a details view, and then you can have a tag which is entity type artwork ID view details or view list. When you are also writing on the gray form of an entity, you can preview it in details mode, in list mode, in short list mode, something that you cannot do in a headless. So we want to integrate something like a headless, but better than a headless inside of React Bricks for these entities that you can reuse across pages. And this is actually really important because what you've just described here is a really good way for somebody who wants to add a bit more reactivity to their website, a bit more customizability without having to rewrite the whole website from scratch. 
i.e. a Shopify store. I've got a Shopify store. It's already pulling all these things. But then I want to now make my homepage more customizable. So now you can then implement React Bricks to make this homepage real customizable, customizing the bricks without any of the other pages being touched, really. It gives this effect of like, while it's great to going from day one and like, I'm just going to build a website with React Bricks. I think to a user who wants to really get the most out of it straight away is by having a website predefined. You know, if that's just in plain HTML, that can then be converted into React Bricks. So it's that whole process of, you know, everybody works differently when it comes to building websites, but I find the hardest point is actually defining what you want first, as in the design, the base HTML, the CSS. And then once you've got that, making it interactive in things like React Brick, I think goes a really long way. And that's just by yourself, as I have done, without no designer needed. I just built a website up from Tailwind components. I just built it up to where it is today. And what's really, really good is that obviously Everfunds is a startup itself and we're forever changing our marketing, our pages. And we can literally hide pages, show pages, customize pages. And the best thing about it is my non-technical co-founder doesn't have to ask me how to change it because it just works. Yes, that's great. <laughs> I'd be curious to hear a little bit about the history of React Bricks. I think you're uh, like a bootstrapped kind of company. And so what has the journey been like of building up React Bricks over time? I will start from uh, my own journey <laughs> in uh, in tech <laughs> to go up to React Bricks. Well, I started um, to copy programs uh, when I was uh, eight or nine on a Commodore Santa Quanta, a Commodore 64, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and well, uh, uh, so it was basic. Then um, when I was 10, I had the luck to have... Uh, an IBM 8088, and so I started programming in GW Basic, and then I really started programming in, using a logo. Don't know if you know logo. It's where you move the turtle on the screen. You have a, a triangle which is called turtle, and you have commands like uh, uh, forward uh, 10, uh, write uh, 90, forward 20, and you can create procedures with it. And uh, this is, is really great. By the way, I think that it's still the best way to learn to program <laughs> because now there are all these uh, Blockly or Scratch, uh, these uh, blocks-based tools to learn how to program, but they lack the aura of mystery that uh, uh, writing code that the computer understands uh, as when you really write code. Dragging and dropping uh, blocks uh, is not uh, like writing code to see that the computer can understand it. And if you write it in a, the wrong way, way, the computer does not understand it. So really, I am already teaching <laughs> to my five years old <laughs> son uh, using, using Logo. <laughs> I've never heard of Logo before. Listeners, check out. We got a link for this in the show notes. This is really fascinating because this is like a visual programming language, like you're saying, that kind of vastly predates things like Scratch. So thank you for giving me the tip on this. I'm going to have to check this out. It's really great because you, you write the code and you see the turtle that moves on the screen. So you have the visual part because you move the turtle. is like you are moving a, a robot <laughs> with the commands. You can create your procedure so you can repeat uh, procedures. So I, I think it's great. And so I started programming in that way. And then, well, Pascal, when I was 14, and then at university, C++, Java. But really, I, I was already uh, working. Since when I was 17, I was working, it was 1996. 
so you know that I'm old. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I was 17 and I started programming in HTML because there was just HTML, no CSS, no JavaScript. You have just uploaded your .html files to an FTP server. Things were much easier than now. And then uh, the first server script were uh, the CGI written in Perl. And then I started with ASP, the old Microsoft uh, Active Server pages uh, with the access database in the beginning. And then they became uh, ASP.NET with SQL Server. And well, my agency that was F2, when I was uh, 17, I opened F2.NET. And this is why I have this short domain name, which is F2.NET, which is the domain of my agency. <laughs> when we saw that the world was coming to the separation of concerns between the backend and front-end, we started using Angular on the front-end and ASP.NET Web API for the backend. Then uh, there was a moment when we were, were starting uh, with a big project for uh, the biggest Italian trade union. Angular 2 just came out and it was completely different from Angular 1. We were upset from this. So uh, what do we do? We use Angular 1, which is already legacy. We use Angular 2, which is just came out. Uh, let's uh, go with React. <laughs> and so uh, we, we took the risk to go with React and we never came back. <laughs> I really love React. I find no reason to switch. Uh, and then uh, we abandoned also the Microsoft technologies in the backend and uh, we started using Node.js with MySQL or Postgres. And that is our stack. It is the stack of React Bricks and the stack that we use for every project. So React Bricks, <laughs> we were starting from React Bricks. <laughs> React Bricks started when I, I saw that we needed something more for our customers because we are mainly a web development agency that develops web applications from e-commerce to production management, IoT, things like that, or also custom ERPs. We were a company that created the web apps, really, because now we are concentrated on React Bricks mainly. We still do some work for customers, but our idea is to just concentrate on React Bricks for the future. But well, we were creating web application and sometimes customers asked for websites. It happens. <laughs> you don't want them to go to another <laughs> agency just for the website. And so, okay, we do also the website parts. And for that, we were using uh, Gatsby together with WordPress. Uh, I was upset with the developer experience. I thought that also the experience of our user with the famous uh, gray forms was not great. By the way, at that time, at the end of 2019, I had uh, just uh, done the Y Combinator startup school for another project that was uh, an headless e-commerce. My idea was to create an headless e-commerce. And then I pivoted that idea to <laughs> what is now uh, React Bricks. Then uh, it was the period of the first uh, lockdown. In a way, there was less work in some way. And so it was a good moment to start something new. During the first lockdown, I created the prototype for React Bricks and I liked it. I believed in it. And so I asked my colleague, my co-founder, Dario, to create the backend part. It all started then. <laughs>
Yeah, this is really interesting. And something that we've not touched on until this moment is that you're European, you're from Italy. This is not something we not hear of often, but there's not many Italian tech companies that I know of. If I remember rightly, when it came to COVID and being in Europe, Italy was actually one of the first countries to be locked down. Yes. And then you beat our football team, something like that. And then the whole world went terribly. Yes, yes. And uh, I am from Bergamo. It is a part of Italy that was uh, the biggest strike at the beginning of COVID. So yes. A lot of lockdowns happened. Let's not obviously focus on that part because how it is. But obviously what that allowed you to do is start focusing on React Bricks. I am a big supporter of it. And as you said, it's completely bootstrapped it from an agency. And I've seen something similar uh, from Everfund of coming from this experimental agency to building a product ourselves. Agencies are great because there's always something different to work on. But I feel you you long to just work on your own project and like just tackle one thing. Thing every single day have you felt that yes it's true it's great to to work on different projects uh, and to see different uh, realities uh, and uh, if you are creating uh, a web application for uh, drums production you learn everything on how a, a drum is created then uh, you do an application for a textile industry and you get to learn everything of what they do. It's interesting because it's not just the programming part. Uh, when you do the analysis, you come in touch with uh, many things and uh, you can learn uh, much from all the different sectors that you work with. So, for example, you created many e-commerce uh, in the pharmacy sector. Uh, and so you come to learn everything of that. But uh, in some way, having your own product uh, is the dream. <laughs> because sometimes uh, working with customer is great uh, and sometimes it is less great. It happens that you have customers that uh, don't understand the quality of your product, uh, don't pay, etc. And so when this happens, uh, you want to <laughs> leave that part uh, and create your own uh, product. It's not easy. In the past, we also created uh, another product that completely failed. Uh, that was uh, a social network based on interests. It was uh, Tags Chat. <laughs> and uh, well, it, it's not easy to start something that really solves problem. In this case, uh, uh, with React Bricks, we had that problem. We knew the context quite well. So we invested much in it because uh, I believe that it could be useful, not just for us, but for other agencies. To start closing it out, I think the first thing anybody can do is look at three websites of choice. These are from the examples page. It's Catbase, Everfund, and Woosmap. These are all built on React Bricks. Really good examples of longevity. What I saw today is someone built a Snipcart slash Algolia website with React Bricks as well on Twitter. What you can do with React Bricks is obviously infinite and I really do suggest giving it a go. And that's what I want to say about the next thing is on your website, you can just give it a go. You've built this like demo playground of just allowing you to customize it. You don't want to just start with your own website. You just want to give it a go, understand the CMS. And I think that is really, really cool. But the last really big thing I wanted to touch on was the learn documentation that you wrote. Anthony's a big fan of teaching people how to do things. Absolutely. 
Well, uh, of course, it's necessary to have uh, all these uh, long documentation. It's uh, difficult to keep it uh, up to date. Sometimes features start in documentation and then we implement them. And uh, when it happens on the other way, we need to remember to document everything. But really with the, with the TypeScript, it's easier because you can look at all the TypeScript interfaces and all the TypeScript types. Uh, and uh, you see if you forgot something in the documentation. I think that Rebricks now has grown into a framework. <laughs> so it's uh, difficult to grasp everything uh, when you start using it. So the documentation really is useful to discover something when, when you need it. So if you need a particular feature, you can look it up in the documentation. But maybe the best way to learn how to use React Bricks is the step-by-step -step tutorial. If you go to ReactBricks slash learn, okay, there is the link, you see the step-by-step -step tutorial, and that is a tutorial with gamification. It starts from the CLI up to creating your bricks and deploying on Vercel or Netlify. I absolutely love this. Having like actual curriculum with challenges associated with it it's like it makes such a difference in terms of like how people actually retain content and so this is really cool that you built this out like what was kind of the impetus for this did you have someone on the team who was like into curriculum design or is this just something you came up with yourself like where did this come from i did it uh, myself really uh all the website it's really impressive and also the ux of the react bricks admin uh, and the tutorial uh, i did it i am a developer but i i've always loved the interaction design so i have many many books about interaction design surely i'm not a designer i'm not the best interaction designer out there and an interaction designer could do something better than what i do but uh, well it's something that i really like i, I like the fact that with the Studying the, the UX or the interaction, you can affect uh, the way that many people uh, work. Uh, I love to try and think of better alternative when I think of UI so, or for UX. And so I, I like also this, uh, this part of the front-end uh, development. Uh, <laughs> as for the um, tutorial, uh, we looked at the Next.js tutorial, really, because uh, that was my inspiration. <laughs> I have to say it that I, I saw the Next.js tutorial and I really liked it. But uh, there you gained points just uh, advancing on the pages. I wanted something that was more challenging. And so I introduced the questions with the answer and you gain much points if you answer correctly the question. And then there is a final surprise. Then I cannot say so when you uh, <laughs> do the tutorial. And if you have enough points, you will discover the final surprise in the last step. <laughs> Yeah, this is honestly how I actually learn how to use React Bricks. I, I went through the step-by-step -step and I tend to be just a tinkerer. Just stick it up, get it working and just tinker away with it until you're done. Yeah, if you got Chris using one of your tutorials, that's a high praise. Chris is definitely not a tutorial person. You say that. I normally run through a tutorial first and then like chuck it away and never look at it again. But there is place for this. And I think it's really, really a testament to what you've built. And I think it's really important for people to give it a go if they need to build a marketing website. Because like I said, we may understand gray forms and boxes that we can move around. But when it comes to your non-technical marketing person, they sure do not like that. <laughs> 
if I can anticipate you something that is coming, if you want, something that uh, then nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, please do. We just released, uh, not uh, much ago, the preview link so that you can uh, get a preview link uh, that is independent of the platform. It works with Next, with Gatsby, with Remix. So you can have a, a preview link of a page so that you can share it with anyone uh, without uh, a React Bricks account. They can see the preview of a draft page. But uh, what we are working on right now is uh, the editorial calendar. So as in React Bricks, you can schedule the publishing of content. We have customers that uh, want to know what's uh, coming out to tomorrow, what the, the article that will be published tomorrow. And so we'll release uh, very soon uh, an editorial calendar where you can see the pages that are published day by day. You can click on a page and go and edit it directly from the, from the calendar. Then uh, we'll add the, the ability to customize a bit the login UI. Some customers uh, don't like the, the pink sofa that you find now on the login page of React Bricks. <laughs> Why they want to change it or put their logo on the login page. And so we will work on a way to customize it. Another thing is the ability to select bricks in a more visual way. Now you have the name of the bricks, but uh, I'd like to save a preview of the component so that the users who have not used your design system for long and don't know the components by name, they can just see the components, click on it and add it. And this is especially useful for stories. In React Bricks, we have the concept of story. If you have a brick, you can save it in a certain configuration. So you, you change the text, you change the props, you like it and you save it to reuse it later. It is a story. So uh, the ability to choose a story visually, I think that would much improve the, the UX for, for users. So you, you have the blue, the green, the, the pink story, but you, you, if you see them, you can click on it and just add it. On the long term, as I said, we want to implement entities, let's say the headless part, uh, like a headless CMS. But uh, a very important thing is what we want to implement is layout components. At the moment, big limit of React Bricks is that uh, bricks are in a way like they are block. It's uh, not easy to implement uh, a two column interface. Think of uh, a newspaper where you have a two columns interface and you want to add bricks to, to them. At the moment, you, you can have a brick with two columns, of course, but what we want to create is the ability to have slots inside of bricks. So you can have a bricks which defines the structure and it defines two columns, for example. And then you have a slot on the left with its allowed block types the loud bricks for the left part and then you have a slot for the right side where you can define the allowed bricks for that side so that it is much more flexible this is a thing that we have designed we have shaped and it's just to be implemented <laughs> I can't wait to see the actual snapshots instead of names for your bricks because no matter if your non-technical person can edit it, your bricks are still named feature one, feature two, feature three, grid one, grid two, grid three, and it's just the grid in different formats. Yes, yes. It's true that you can hover over a brick and see a preview without uh, uh, really adding it, but uh, with uh, choosing visually, it will improve much. 
To close out, where can listeners find you, find React Bricks, and really how to get started? Well, of course, uh, there's, there is the reactbricks.com website to get started. As I said, you can go to the learn uh, section. And then, of course, there is the documentation. And, uh, well, on Twitter, you can reach reactbricks uh, at reactbricks, or you can reach me directly at Matt Frana. I'm really uh, active uh, on uh, on Twitter and not much else. <laughs> I try to be active on Reddit. It's the only place you need to be. Twitter is the world, right? There's there's no world outside of Twitter. Maybe there is a, a, a world outside, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's just not very I don't know uh, it and I don't have time to know it. <laughs> there is a world and it's called LinkedIn. okay i choose uh, i I should start uh, posting on linkedin too (laughs) so thank you so much for your time today maybe we'll get you on again to talk about actually some of the technologies that power react bricks because like you said the preview links is a really little cool bit of technology that happens outside of your website where you're rendering the whole website i would love to learn about that in the future there are some interesting technical part of react bricks that the difficult part to implement that we could talk about uh, another time yes awesome thank you thank you anthony thank you chris thank you so much bye bye that okay was that good okay really good <laughs> thank you awesome yeah, so good. now i've done my first podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah.